Well, if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can either click to or turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 is where we are tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and if you don't have a Bible with you or you don't have a version app or a Bible app on your tablet, your phone, or, or whatever, uh, the words are going to come up on the screen as I read them. So we've been in this series looking at the life of David. And so now we, we've come to this, this, this section of Scripture and a part of his life when it's really a dark moment in David's life. It's when he committed affair, an affair with, with, with Bathsheba, and all of a sudden it's going to come out. But the, the focus of this message and the intent of this message is not to focus on that, but to focus on this, uh, this issue of how to confront someone how to confront someone when they're walking through sin, how to confront someone, and how to, how to respond when someone confronts you. And so I think there's a lot of principles here. I think there's a lot for us today where it will help us with like some social media rules and, and, and some of those things, how it will help us in marriage and relationships, whether it's parenting, uh, coworkers, and some of those other things, that when you look at this, you realize that, that David has made this choice that will greatly af- affect him the, the, the rest of his life. And so we pick up the story. When uh, Bathsheba was, was, was pregnant with David's baby, her husband Uriah, uh, Uriah uh, had been killed. Uh, David was the one that had Uriah killed. He was a faithful friend. He was a faithful warrior of David's, and he had him killed to try to cover up his sin. But David found out this, that your sin will always find you out. What is done in darkness will always be exposed in the light. And so David thought that he covered this up, but all of a sudden it begins to, to come out. God loved David way too much to allow him to stay in his sin, to allow him to stay in, in, in that rhythm. So God sends Nathan, a friend of, Nathan, of, of David's, and he sends Nathan to confront him. Now listen, this had to be, this had to be difficult for, for Nathan. Nathan and David were not only friends, but they, David is the king. And so David rightfully could have had, could have had Nathan put to death. And so this was like, this was difficult for, 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 for Nathan because confronting David would cost him something. But, it, but if we're honest, it's difficult for us. If we feel like we needed to confront someone, it may not mean physical death, but it could mean death to a relationship. There could be some emotional stuff going on there. And so if we're all honest enough to admit that it's difficult confronting, confronting someone because Nathan had to wonder, how's David going to respond to this? Will David blame? Will David uh, say some other things? Will he, will he cut off our relationships? Will we end our relationships? And so I think it would be important for the time that I have with you. We're just going to look at both sides. We're just going to look at both sides of this, whether you're the person that is going to confront someone and what does that look like, or you're the person that God is sending to confront you or talk to you about some things in your life. And so, so we'll pick up the story, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 12, and I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of things as we go. So here's what the scripture says in verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah had died, she mourned for him. So that's Bathsheba. When the time of mourning ended, David had brought her to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord considered what David had done to be evil. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. And so when you look at this story, you realize that just as the Lord sent Nathan to rebuke David, 
The Lord sometimes sends people to us to, to, to hold us accountable, to, to, uh, to confront us, to talk about us, to talk about something that's going into our, in, in our lives. And so whenever you're the one that's going, it always must be balanced with, with encouragement. It must be balanced with grace. And so it's biblical. When you look at Scripture, it is biblical. It is biblical to confront someone uh, if they're endangering their spiritual life or heading in a path of danger. And so it's not to be done in a self-righteous mo- manner or judgmental manner, but it's to be done compassionately and biblical. Uh, Proverbs 28, 23 says, one who rebukes a person will later find more favor than one who flatters with his tongue. And so there comes a time when integrity demands that sometimes we have a hard conversation. We have a difficult conversation and we confront someone. Nathan is like textbook of how to do this. Nathan does this excellent job the way that he goes to David and talks to David. So, so I have four questions that we should ask ourselves if we feel like God is leading us to or we feel like there's been an offense and we need to confront someone, then how do you do that? How do you do that in a biblical way? What does the Bible say about that? Well, the way I do that is by walking through this story, and I've come up with four questions that every one of us should ask before we ever do that. And so the first one is this, am I the right person? And that's the first question that we have to ask, and that's the first question that we have to answer. I mean, you could, listen, you can only confront someone biblically that you're in a relationship with, that you have a relationship with. You don't confront a stranger. You don't confront someone you don't know. You confront someone. Listen, and we live in a world that thinks anytime we see an offense, publicly or whatever, we, we should be able to throw the flag. We should be able to confront we should be able to, to, to attack. But when you look at Scripture, you first have to ask yourself the question, am I, am I the right person? One of the answers is, is it someone that you're in a relationship with? David and Nathan were already friends. They had a long history of relationship. They had a long history of friendship. Fact is, oftentimes you see David asking Nathan for advice. Two to three times in Scripture that David is like going to Nathan and said, Nathan, how should I handle this? Nathan, what should I do about this? The problem is many times for us, it's easier. Wouldn't you agree? It's easier to confront strangers than it is to confront those that are close to you because there's more to risk. If you're going to hold somebody accountable, then you've got to make sure that, you know what, you're in a relationship with them, and they speak into your life, and you speak into their life. There's trust that is there. There's love that is there. If you're going to confront someone and you're angry and you're judgmental and you're bitter about it and you want to humiliate them publicly online or you want to humiliate them personally, you want to embarrass them, you want to attack them, then guess what? You should not go. You are going for the wrong reasons. If you are actually looking forward to confronting that individual and you literally cannot wait, to embarrass, humiliate, confront, and all those other things, then you are not the right person. You see, David, David's caught, and we know that, right? We can read the story. David's caught in a web of deceit, and Nathan is going to him to confront him. Galatians 6.1, New Testament stuff. This is what it talks about. This is what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with what? Judgmental. I mean, I'm sorry, gentle. I got that right. I was thinking of something else. That is not what the Bible said. (laughs) With a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also will not be or won't be tempted. Listen, we are not 
We are not God's referees. Just to throw the flag and blow the whistle on the world whenever we see someone step out of bounds. Man, this is just for free. This is not in my notes. And you know what the church needs? Less rhetoric and more repentance. Less rhetoric and more walking in repentance. When, people, when, when the rhetoric is high in a church, compassion is low. When people are actually walking in repentance, man, there's a different spirit. It's a compassionate spirit. It's a spirit that is much different than that. And it's walking in such a way that you understand that, you know what, everybody's carrying something. And so maybe we should have compassion for one another. And so when you look at this, you realize that, that, it, that, that, uh, that it, takes, it takes great courage to go and confront someone. And so it should, it's not our job to confront everyone. But when God leads you to, you've got to first ask yourself the question, am I the right person? If you have a relationship with them and you have love for them and you're going for the right motives, then, then you may be the right person. And so there are times, guess what, that you're not the right person even though you know them, even though you have a relationship with them. And in that case, then you would pray and just pray for them. The second thing you need to ask yourself, is this the right place? Am I the right person? And then is this the right place? I mean, this was, this is so important. This was private, not public. We live in a world. Most people are throwing flags. Most people are confronting believers and one another publicly, whether it's social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever. And when you look at this, you realize it was, it was private. Oh, and guess what? And you read the story for yourself. Nathan went alone. You don't see where Nathan kind of filtered through the, the, the town and the community and whispering about what, Nate, what David's been doing and what's going on, what God has called him to do, and he's going to go right this wrong, and he's going to take care of this situation. What you find is Nathan goes alone. And so he didn't post something on Facebook and Twitter for the whole world to see. He didn't send an email. He didn't seem to t send a text message. He didn't write a letter. He didn't do any of that. He, he went personally to David. You know why you go to personally to someone and confront them and not over social media, not over a text, not over um, any electronic means? One of the main reasons, I think, they need to be able to look into your eyes and see how hard it is for you to have this conversation. How difficult it is for you to even bring this up to where they're able to look into your eyes and understand that you actually have compassion for them and you care about them. And so when you look at this, Nathan, Nathan did not take an audience with him so that he'd have like the, the reinforcement of others. I mean, we know this, right? Private versus public. I mean, there's some public figures and in other words, you know, preachers like preachers can attack individuals, you know, from their platform, whether it's a social media platform or whether it's a platform of their church. And so pastors can attack people publicly. School teachers, school teachers can like, like attack students publicly. This actually happened to me in the third grade. And it's one of the first like traumatic events of, of my life. I was in the third grade, and, and I was in math class, and we had Mrs. Carruthers. We had Mrs. Carruthers for, for math, and, and um, my best friends were in that class. I liked that class, and, and, uh, and, and, so, and so I get it. I understand. I was a little bit of a class clown, 
And I mean, if, if I felt I could make the class laugh, it, it, I didn't care about the consequences. It, I mean, for me, it was just laughter. And so, uh, so I've since matured in that area. Uh, <laughs> And so Ms. Mrs. Carruthers was an interesting lady. We always talked about her because she would drink her, she would drink her perfume. You know, she, you know every, she would just drink her perfume. And later on, when I grew up and I smelled whiskey for the first time, I realized it wasn't perfume. I mean, I like, I, I recognize that fragrance. <laughs> and so this day, she had had a lot of perfume to drink. Let's just leave it at that. And we were doing math drills, and so Mrs. Carruthers would put two math problems up on the board. She'd bring two students up, and then you would answer the math problems, and the one, uh, and you would sit down once you missed one. So, so I got up and, and with this girl that was like really good in math, and, and so I got mine wrong, and she got hers, she got hers right, so she sat down, and, and I had to stay up. And so you had to stay up until you got one right, if I said that correctly. And so, so I got mine wrong, and so she sits down. And so the next question, another one comes up, I get it wrong again, and now I'm getting kind of nervous. And so, but the class is laughing because they, they think I'm goofing, and I'm, I'm actually trying the best I can. And so, so uh, I get the third one wrong. And, and, and so Mrs. Carruthers, you know, is, is out of perfume, and she's, she's aggravated. And so one of my best friends screams, you know, do something, Mrs. Carruthers. He's... he's He's, he's making this a joke. He's just goofing with us. And so Mrs. Carruthers pulls out a, a paddle out of her desk, and she lays it on the top of the desk, and she said, Charlie, we've had it with you. Uh, you get the next one wrong, and you get three swats in front of the class. And so, you know, now, like, the pressure's really on, and, and so I got, I got the next one wrong. And so I was wearing shorts. And so in front of my class, she gave me three swats below the shorts, to where you could like hear it, and uh, and I started to cry in front of all of, in front of all of my students, friends, and it was a hum it was humiliating, it was traumatizing, and what made it matters worse, I got punished and not Miss Carruthers. Uh, they moved me out of the class and they let Mrs. Carruthers stay in the class and keep drinking perfume. And however that worked, I don't know. When anybody telling you. The reason we go to in private, not public, is so we don't humiliate. If you're trying to humiliate an individual over social media platforms, telling all of your friends, telling everybody, taking an audience with you, letting, letting everyone know, then listen, you are not the right person and it is not the right place. When you look at Nathan, Nathan loved David. Matthew chapter 18, so we'll just grab a, like a New Testament scripture for this. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Now listen, used to, when, when, when I'd preach this text, I didn't even have to bring this up. But I just need to give a disclaimer to this text. In the Greek, when you look at that word brother, and you realize two times he used it, you won your brother over if, if your brother says. It is talking about an emotionally and healthy individual. If someone has physically abused you, sexually abused you, verbally abused you, nobody would recommend you go to them alone and confront them. 
Your abuser is going to want that because he will say or she will say, you come to me because I will break you down. And they'll use this verse in a legalistic way to bring you in an unhealthy environment. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're being abused in any area, you just get help. You get help. And so, but what this scripture is talking about, this scripture is talking about in healthy relationships, good relationships. That's the context of this. And when you do it that way, by going along and being the right person and doing it with the right heart, you have a chance of winning a brother over when it's just the two of you. Listen, it takes great courage, right? We all know that. It takes great courage to go confront someone on one without an audience and people around all those other things. You ever, you ever worked in a department? You ever worked in a team in the secular world, in the marketplace? And there's like that one guy, we'll call him Joe. I'm not referencing anyone, we'll just call him Joe. And Joe's always showing up late. Joe's never on time. So all of a sudden, your supervisor calls a department meeting and says, hey, everybody, we need to all start showing up on time. This is ridiculous. Everybody else in the department's there on time except for Joe. Everybody in the room knows we're talking about Joe. It demoralizes, degrades the rest of the team, right? Because you're getting fussed at for Joe. It takes a lot more courage for a supervisor, a manager, a leader to call someone in and one-on-one between them to talk to them. The third question you've got to ask yourself, is this the right time? Is this a, listen, there is a right time and there is a wrong time to confront. You don't confront someone when they're exhausted. You don't confront someone at the end of the day. You don't confront someone when they've just walked in from a really tough day. There is a right time and there is a wrong time. Let's Let's just walk through this. Nathan, this is so fascinating to me. Nathan, when he goes to, to confront uh, David, it wasn't as soon as he was aware. It wasn't as soon as the rumor started circulating about what was going on between David and Bathsheba. Man, when you realize she was... She was just about ready to deliver. So it was about, I'm telling you, it was about, well, we know that. It was about nine months. Some believe it was almost a year. Biblical principle. Just because there's an offense doesn't mean mean there should be an immediate rebuke. An immediate confrontation. When Nathan went to David, David was in a place where he could receive. David was in a place where he could hear. His, his defenses were down. God's timing was obviously in play. Listen, when we're first aware of a problem, that doesn't mean that we should immediately rebuke them. But when... Because sometimes if, sometimes if we go too early, we haven't processed out our emotions... We haven't processed out our anger. We haven't processed out our words. And so what gets discussed in that moment was the emotion, the anger, or the words that were used. You and I should wait. We should, one, wait on God's timing, but we should also wait till we processed out the emotion till we're confident that we're in the right place, they're in the right place, and God's timing is at work. And, and you can tell when an individual confronts you can tell if they're in the, in the right place, the one that is confronting, because they, they don't make it personal. They don't make a lot of accusations. They just kind of stick to the facts, and, and you can see that in, in, in the text. And, 
Nathan, he, he used very tactful words. He stripped, the, uh, he stripped the emotion out of it. He didn't go to David and say, hey, everybody knows what you're doing. Every, everybody knows you've been running around with, with Bathsheba. And you've, David, you've embarrassed the kingdom. Saul never embarrassed the kingdom like this for crying out loud. I mean, you, David, you call yourself a man after God's own heart. You call yourself a believer. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a person of faith. Nathan didn't say any of that. Whenever we cross over and we strip, and, 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 and it's personal, instead of just stripping out all of the emotion and all of the accusations, we have a higher rate of healthy confrontation of winning a brother over Matthew 18. And so here's, here's the fourth thing you got to ask yourself. Is your goal, is the goal reconciliation? Is the goal reconciliation? It says in Proverbs chapter 25, 11 through 12, the scripture says this. It says, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in silver settings. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. When you confront someone, right words, right time, right person, it can be the matter between life and death. It fits the situation where you choose your words carefully. You're tactful. You don't make it personal. Here, here, here's what Nathan said to David starting chapter 12, 2 Samuel, verses 1 through 6. He said, So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, the, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb and he, that he had bought. He raised her and grew her up. Uh, with him and with his children. From his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. David, she was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the, to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his sheep or his cattle to prepare for the, shat, the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David was infuriated the man with the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die because he has done nothing. He has done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. And so Nathan's very extremely careful with his words. We'll just move on. Chapter 12, verse 7. So Nathan replied to David, you're the man. David, you're, you're the man. This is what the Lord of Israel says. I have anointed you king over Israel. I've rescued you from Saul. I gave you your master's house to you, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that was not enough, David, I would have given even more. Why then have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with Ammonite's sword. David was like cut to the heart. 
In other words, he would say, this man Uriah, he's been with you from the start. He's protected you. He's been a warrior for you. He's served you. He has followed you. He has been obedient to you. He has been loyal to you. And David, you were the one. You were the one that gave orders to kill Uriah. You're the one that had Uriah killed, and he's been nothing but loyal to you. And when you look at this, so fascinating. Nathan didn't water anything down. He stripped out the emotion, and he stripped out the personal attacks, but he didn't water anything down. He didn't say, hey, David, we know you're having a bad day. We know you're really stressed. We know, that we know how your father was. We know the family you came out of. We know you're just a man. You can't help yourself. We know, we know she probably seduced you. David, don't worry. God's grace is bigger than all this. God will forgive. He, he, he didn't do any of that. He, he just had the courage to confront. He just had the courage to confront. And when you look at David's response, now all of a sudden you realize that not only was Nathan textbook in how to confront someone biblically, David is textbook in how to receive when someone confronts you, how to receive when someone has to have a hard conversation with you. And so if you're on the receiving end and not the one that's giving the hard conversation, then there's three three questions that we should ask ourselves. And so the first one is this, am I approachable? I mean, am I really approachable? Listen, for, for healing, for healing in my life, for healing in your life, you will have to guard against pride. You will have to guard against blaming. You'll have to guard against in that moment immediately becoming defensive because all of your defenses are going to rise up and you're going to have to guard against that and you're going to have to fight that. And one of the things you can say about David, even though he was powerful, David was approachable. He didn't cut himself off from his Christian friends. He didn't cut himself off from worship. He didn't even cut himself off from Nathan and have Nathan removed. We we all need someone. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much scripture you know. Every one of us needs someone that can speak into our life, that we can have raw conversations, we can have honest conversations, and we can speak truth into one another's life. Someone that can tell you the truth even when it hurts, even when you have to look at your life. So the question for you is, do you, do you like have that person? Do you have that person that can say, hey, I, I know you're successful, but you're like crossing the line. Now, I was in the car with you, and I heard you pick up a call from your wife. I heard how you talked to your wife on the phone. Is everything okay? I heard how you yelled at your kids. I heard how you, are, are you okay? Man, I love you. But you don't always tell the truth. You always, you kind of bend the facts. Do you have people in your life that are close enough to you they can have those conversations. That's why Christian friends are so important. That's why Bible studies and life group and church community is so important because at least David had Nathan in his life. Where would David be without Nathan? Would David still be respond, Would we referred to as a man after God's own heart if Nathan hadn't stepped into his life and had that conversation at that moment? I mean, David could have, especially with his power, could have become prideful and could have said, Nathan, who do you think you are to judge me? I got a scripture for you. Judge not, lest you be judged. Nathan, look at all what, do you not realize all I've done for you? How I promoted you up, how I took care of you? Do you, 
Nathan, I know a few things about you that aren't so perfect. Who are you to come and talk to me? Nathan, it, it wasn't my fault. I mean, it was, it, it was her fault. Nathan, there are a lot of kings that have done way worse than me. You want to have Saul back? Would you rather have Saul than me? At least I'm better than him. David, listen, David could have attacked the process. If you ever confront someone, they get defensive. They start blaming. They start saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as this person. They don't like the consequences, and they begin to attack the process of how you're doing it and those other things. They may not be approachable. They may not be receptive to it. And you look at David, and all of a sudden, David, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, look, at, to his credit, he admits his guilt. And David responded to Nathan, Have I sinned against the Lord? Then David again cho chose his words carefully and replied to David. And the Lord has taken away your sin. In other words, yes. But God has forgiven you. And you will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. And then Nathan went home. David owned it and said, I've sinned. You can flip over and or click over Psalm 32. It gives us a glimpse into what was going on in David's heart. This is a psalm that he wrote. We'll look at Psalm 51 too. And Psalm 32.2, he says, How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. From the time that he committed an affair to this moment, it had to seem like an eternity is what he's talking about. And he goes on and says, verse 4, For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. And David, you kind of start seeing this, may have kind of come as a, like a relief to him. He had been harboring this, this secret sin for almost a year, waiting for the, the shoe to drop, the, the, the text message to come in, uh, the, the phone call. Verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess, confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Verse 6, he goes on and says, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. With great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. Second question that you have to ask yourself is this, is not only am I approachable, but the second question you have to ask yourself Am I willing to change my behavior? Am I willing to change my behavior? Because sometimes that's what blocks us when someone confronts us and someone has a conversation with us. Uh, at, our, at our core, we're just not willing to change. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I, am I approachable? And then am I willing, if my behavior is wrong, and if it's sin, am I willing to change? And David not only admitted that he was wrong, but you look at him, he changed his behavior. He didn't go back up on the roof looking for another woman. He didn't go down the street or next door trying to find another woman. If you want to see the heart of David, Psalm 51, 1 and 3, it says, Be gracious to me, 
God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, complete, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. And so he's saying, I've, I've thought about this for a year. I've thought about it. It's like always before me. I go to bed at night. That's the last thing I think of. I wake up in the morning. That's the first thing I think about. And I think about it all through the day. In other words, you, could, you can come to the point when you're carrying that and you're harboring that, you can come to the point you're paranoid, right? Because you're worried when you're going to be found out. People can hu be huddled up and they can be having an innocent conversation. And you can come to the place to think, you know what? They're talking about me. They know what I've done. They're talking about my sin. You can Listen, you can get so paranoid that you can go to a football game, and when the players go into a huddle, you think they're talking about you. You think they're already aware, and you think that, well, that's, you got it, right? Anyway. <laughs> Psalm 51.4. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sin sinful when my mother conceived me. And surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. Genuine re repentance in life is complete disclosure of the truth. I mean, you see this in David's life. I mean, you just see this. There were, there were, there, there were no cover-ups. There were no vague answers. There were no talking around the issue. There were no diversions and talking about something else. In verse 7, purify me with hyssop and, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins. Blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. And so David is saying, you know what? When I have been carrying this, I have had no true joy. It's always been before me, and I've never had joy. God, give me back the joy of my salvation. Give me back that joy when I first met you and you first forgave me of my sins. I mean, when you look at this, you realize in the New Testament, this is so fascinating to me. This is one of the things of David's life that I just, it shows the grace of God and I literally can't get over. 57 times in the New Testament, there's a reference to David. Never once does it refer to the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. That's grace. That's God's forgiveness. Third and the last question you're going to have to ask yourself as someone confronts you is this. Am I willing to accept the consequences? Am I willing? That, that, that's one of the ways you know. That is one of the ways you know when you confront someone and you confront them with the facts and it's not attacks and all of those other things. When they start, when they start arguing over the process and how you did it and some of those other things are they don't like the consequences and they think they should skate clean and they're frustrated with the consequences you know something is wrong. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. So David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin, and you will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will not die. David loved that baby. The fact is, you find in Scripture, you read it first, he fasted and he prayed for that son. And when David learned that the, 
the son had died. He got up, he bathed, he washed, put on clean clothes, and he wasn't even bitter because he understood its consequences to sin. He handled it with dignity and grace. He didn't withdraw from God. He didn't withdraw, withdraw from Christian friends. He didn't withdraw from church or worship. He didn't cut Nathan off. He accepted God's forgiveness, and he forgave himself. And then you see in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and he went to her, he slept with her, and she gave birth to a son. This is amazing about God's grace. And they named him Solomon. And the Lord loved him. It's unbelievable. God's grace and God's forgiveness. David didn't make life miserable for Nathan or Bathsheba. And David went on and it's a rare person in life. They can accept the forgiveness of God, forgive themselves, and then they don't hold any grudges to those around them. Can I just tell you a little tidbit? David and Nathan remain friends for life. In fact is, I believe it is in 1 Chronicles chapter 35, David and Bathsheba named one of their sons Nathan. Nathan. The one that had confronted him. The one that kept him from going totally off the rails so he would no longer be known as a man after God's own heart. If you've repented of sin, accepted God's forgiveness, forgive yourself and go on. God never meant, you just see this in this story, and that's a whole other sermon in of itself. God never meant for us to carry guilt all of our lives. And there comes a time when you dry your ears, you dry your tears, and you move on. You move on. 57 times in the New Testament, reference to David, never once, never once about this. My prayer for you that if you don't have a Nathan or a Natalie, you find one. You find one. And it takes years to develop that. We can, we can, and we can. And you build that trust, you build that relationship. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?